0: Hello and welcome back to The Ad Race, episode six. I'm Fiona Douglas and today I'm joined by David Ogiest, founder of Nobody's Cafe, an experiential and events collective. Before founding Nobody's Cafe in 2020, David held past roles at RPM and Culture Trip, but he of course left Culture Trip to explore his passion for experiential through his own business. In this episode, we are going to be finding out about David's career today, covering his university days in Leeds and moving to London, and his own business as the world plunged into lockdown. If you don't already, you should follow David on LinkedIn as he's always posting the most incredible experiences, events and campaigns that you may not have come across. From Gucci and Palace Skateboard's colourful pop-up brand experience to a stop-motion in Mr Doodle's house of doodles. So thank you for joining me, David. No,
1: nope, no problem. No, I'm it's nice to be here. I've, always, I've listened to the other episodes as well, so it's it's nice to be on one myself.
0: Thank you. So we're really going to start from the beginning here. Um, so first off, kind of how were things for you, kind of in school? Like, did you find yourself being like quite an academic person? Like, how was that for you?
1: So, I wasn't. I wasn't that academic when I first started, so I didn't know I needed to wear glasses. So for like year six, year seven, UK schooling, I didn't know I needed glasses. So I was always sat at the back of the class and I was always a little bit slower than everyone, pretty much because I couldn't read what was being written on the board. So in year seven, I got glasses and then after that, I pretty much became more academic. So shot up in my, in my sets and all of that and then... GCSE's yeah. degree and all of that um, so yeah I actually I didn't enjoy school whatsoever but I was quite good at school and I just picked stuff that I enjoyed to do as well so that's how I focused on it so I, I did stuff like media I did art, I did drama, all those kind of things to, that I kind of enjoyed doing rather than the, I didn't enjoy the science parts and all of that stuff that yeah. you have to do
0: so you were always kind of leading, leaning towards like experiential marketing, kind of you know people that put themselves out there a bit more, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly, and just like more the creative field. So, I th- like when I was younger, I wanted to be more in like film, acting, writing, and that side of things, um, and then that kind of just developed throughout. And it might, I might be leading onto some questions you were going to ask, but it like that developed as I got. A bit older and it kind of moved away from film and more more into more into marketing and experiential and experiences and, and bits like that as well. Um, I was always, I always enjoyed kind of bringing people together so even when I was 16 doing house parties at home when my mum was away um, and then that kind of built and um, When I was in sixth form, we tried to do an event at a nightclub. Um, We'd hired the the venue, et cetera, et cetera, organized DJs, everything. People started coming, but the venue and we hadn't really agreed about the fact that everyone needed to be over 18. So we were over 18 when we booked, but the people we were inviting weren't. So a load of people were turning up. And the venue ended up, like, turning everyone away and they gave us the money back for the hire and everything like that because they were like, yeah, we didn't actually tell you. Uh, But that that was my first official event and it was a massive, massive flop. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's that i still i still it's the,
0: it's the t's and c's isn't it yeah blame yourself yeah, <laughs> the
1: exactly. yeah. No, exactly. exactly they didn't they didn't put that in the t's and c's, so we just invited people so uh we fought private event it didn't matter that it was an over 18 but there you go
0: and so you did go on to study at university and what was do you remember back to that time and your thought process in thinking about going to university um, in itself?
1: Yeah, I think th- there was a lot of my friends that were and weren't. Some were doing like going off in gap years and, and doing the, that type of thing and travelling. And for me, I saw it as a bit of an experience of meeting new people, really. Like, when I went to university, the cost of university was a lot lower as well, yeah. so that was part of the reason and with with my background I was given grants and and other things so it made it the the financial element of it wasn't necessarily an issue because of those grants and because of because it was a lot a lot cheaper at the time as well so with with that I saw it as an experience to meet new people obviously the education side i I would be getting but i didn't actually see that as the important part if i'm being honest i saw the the opportunity to get out there get out from being sort of around the same people get like working different places do doing bits like that and and also in terms of the event side of things getting to experience more going out nightlife all of those things which i kind of always knew were there but when I'd been at school and in sixth form, it, I felt quite separate from the education side. Was, was, was kind of part of it? I think by that point of going back from when I was like year six, seven, didn't have my glasses. I was at a an academic level where I I knew because I was take like I said, I was taking things I already enjoyed. I could kind of pass those things, and it wasn't like I needed to. Focus in. It wasn't like yeah. I was trying to become a doctor.
0: You were leaning into your strengths. Exactly. So it yeah. was kind of come naturally to you in exactly. a
1: way. Exactly. So it allowed me to explore other things. And I think by the time I was in third year, I was working three jobs. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I was working I was working um part time re- retail customer service. I was working part time doing events like student nightclub events and I was working part time as being a basketball coach as well as my third year, I remember one of my employers at the time was like, "How are you doing this and university because it was it like I, was, I had pretty much because I had three part time jobs I had a full time job and then I also had yeah. university on top of that
0: did you feel like that was something you did because you enjoyed or were you really trying to finance your your life there at university it,
1: it was a it was a bit of both i think I think th- especially with the retail job the retail job was very much like that is a financial thing I didn't enjoy it I'm I'm extremely glad I did it because working in retail and customer services like that helps you be able to speak to people because you've got to speak to loads of very different people throughout the day and there's a lot of jobs out there that you do when you're younger that don't necessarily give you that confidence and I worked in places where there was an emphasis on going up to people as well. I worked in, like, Harvey Nichols, where there is an emphasis of, like, you have to go serve this person. Some retail places, like, you go to, um, they're not like that, but the ones I worked in were, so it really got me out of my comfort zone of, like, going up and speaking to people. And that now, when I've got to make calls and make sales and and try and speak to new people, like... It's an amazing thing I did when I was 19 to about 21. But that was very much financial. The other stuff, basketball, um, I'm six foot seven, so (laughs) I I play and then the events, obviously, I love.
0: And so I know you've kind of talked about getting up to the age of about like 21. So that was then you were kind of transitioning then from like university life and having all these three jobs into (laughs) working life when. I guess most. Some people still have, like, a couple of jobs, but, you know, you have one main, main gig and, and hopefully a career that you've been able to continue. So how was that transition for you, um, going from university to working? I know that you had your first kind of job in, it was in Leeds as well, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, so I tried to start my own, like, student night uh, company first, so a student events company, doing, like, events still in around Leeds, and that didn't go that well. Um, had some partners in that, and we just we didn't gel well together, and that that didn't that didn't work. And then I went into like lettings, which was not the best. Um, and I was actually fired from that job. No. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually fired from that job. Though I still stand by my reasons. Like I, compl- they they took they st- stole away our bonuses like the day before we were meant to be paid, and I sent. I sent um, an email just explaining why that was unfair, and then I got fired the next day. But anyway, um, so then I went and eventually got a job in experiential. So I'm glad all of that stuff happened because it's kind of led.
0: Otherwise, <laughs> you'd be uh, David the <laughs> <SA> agent. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. So I'm very, I'm very glad that happened. And I think I was, I was unhappy in the role anyway. I, it, I'd, I'd done well, but it, I just, I just wasn't, unha- I wasn't happy. And then I moved into, into kind of like experiential and events in Leeds um, just starting out literally as a, what they called at the time as a campaign estimator so we'd get a brief on and I would like figure out how much it was going to cost the staffing, the logistics, all of that and I would pull that together in into a budget realistically and then I'd write that out and then that would go on to the client so it would go to someone else who would then send that to the client and I was eventually moved on to dealing with some of the clients that were a certain budget, and then up. Um, and I worked there for about four years, and then I went to another place um, where I worked for about four years as well. So, like Leeds was where I, Leeds was where I was from, and where my family still is, and on all of that side of things. So, working there was kind of just like it where i was working but it, it never felt right it never felt like i was kind of doing what i wanted to do especially in that first company in the second company a lot more because i had an uh, like the the boss in the first company and i'm not going to mention company names but wasn't the best boss he was like and i think i did a linkedin post about this at some point like the um i was on i think it was about twenty-four thousand at the time, and I was told that I would never ever earn any more than that. I was twenty-four years old, and I was told I would never earn any more than I was earning at twenty-four year old uh, by the MD of the company. Um, and so, did he
0: give any reasonings for this? Were people at that company earning more? Like
1: the people at that company were earning a lot, lot more, and that was, and I was doing a lot of their work to allow them to like earn what they were earning and then the commission. So I was doing a lot of the the work, the communication, all of those bits. And within the company it was clear that I was like carrying that position in the company. But I just wasn't I wasn't getting paid. And it was there was it was said in my review and there was someone else sat in my review with me um, who was who had just been brought into the company a couple of months earlier. Um, and after I was, I was told that, like, the review was kind of like... My MD just carried on the review and I kind of just sat in silence pretty much because, like, I didn't have really much else to say after that point. And the person that was sat with me, once we got back into the office, because we'd been taken out of the office for this review, once we got back, he took me into a room and he just said, quit, you need to leave this company right now because there isn't, no, like, the way you are treated... Isn't the way you should be treated, and you just need to leave the company right now. So, within a month, I'd left, I'd found a new job, and I'm getting paid more money straight yeah. away. And I, I'd, left that, I'd left that company. Like, looking back, there's probably other, like, at the time, I didn't really think about it. Like, I just thought it was like directed at me. But looking back, being the only coloured person working in the building being brought into a room by the person that was a lot older and very, like, worldly, um, getting brought into that room and that kind of... What he said to me and the way he said it, it wasn't, like, direct, like, this is the reason, but it was kind of, like, this is the reason, so... um, He was
0: trying to put like a status quo in place even though you were doing enough of the work all of the work yeah he didn't yeah like, he and, wanted to pay you more
1: yeah and it wasn't like I was asking for like I want exactly what they're yeah. on I was asking for like a pay rise of about I think it was about two grand at the time yeah. so it wasn't like I was going oh like this other person was paid I think nearly triple what I was being paid and I was asking for an extra so it wasn't like wild it yeah. wasn't like I'd gone into the room and been like I want to be paid what they're paid I was asking for a little bit more, so that's why I was taken into that side room and told, like, need to, you know, I need to leave, so I did from that first one.
0: Do you think, without having that person kind of take you to the side, you would have taken the initiative to leave that quickly? Or I don't no? think
1: that quickly. I think, although I didn't embrace what was being said at the time, like, looking back, older and wiser and understanding, like... Yeah the colour element of what was going on. I get it. But at the time, maybe not. But I think his, that conversation, it was just so, like, it was so, he was so dramatic and so, like, straight about it. It was, like, it it was like a demand. It wasn't even a, like, oh, David, you should kind of, like, think about leaving. It was a, you have to leave right now. Um, And it was so dramatic that it kind of just sparked and it it kind of all worked out. Because my second job was... I really, I really enjoyed that next place I went to, um, so yeah, it worked out well and I think that's kind of the, everything does, like, at the time it might not feel like it, but eventually you realise, like, that was the right thing. It's like a
0: turning point, isn't it?
1: Exactly that, exactly that. Um,
0: I know a few years after kind of that bad experience in Leeds, you've then, um, started working in Dubai did you did the was the company based in Dubai or did you move to Dubai
1: yeah so the company was based in Dubai and I'd been working a few more since that sort of like that bad experience with that job and then I got another job which I was very happy but it just didn't feel it still didn't feel right I was happy in the job itself and who I was working with but there still felt like there was something missing just not even just career-wise, but personally, like, living in Leeds still. So I went on holiday to Dubai to see a friend, and then I was only there for, like, four days, maybe. Um, And then I came back, and I had, like, the worst holiday blues. And so I just looked for experiential companies that were out in Dubai, wrote an email to one of them, um, got a response... A couple of days later saying let's have a chat um from from that company and it took so that was sort of like my birthday's in my birthday's actually tomorrow so my birthday's in november um so it took about i didn't move till about the february so it was a lot of back and forth it took until january but yeah that just came out of an email i just researched the company so went through like this is my cv do you have any roles and all, all of that side of things which is um, once I got there, they, they were like, this is rare that that happens, but the fact that you'd just wrote an email and, like, we created a job f- for you. So it was it was really... Yeah, it was really cool. I worked there for two years, um, had PlayStation as the main client and did some amazing, amazing experiences with them. Um, the first experience that I did is still probably one of my favourite, which was I organized a sort of like a media press trip to Nepal um, so we were promoting a game called Uncharted for there's now like um, there's now like the Tom Holland and Mark Warburg film around that game as well but we needed to kind of give them the experience of being in the game. So it was Amazing. about finding a location, which ended up being Kathmandu. Um, we took them on, like, an experience. We had actors that, like, scripted elements. They all had clues. They had to, like, find things on, on the on the trails and all of that. So that was sort of, like, the level of experiences that was That was the first experience I did when I got there as well. So I'd gone from Leeds to then being stood on the top of... <laughs> stood, stood <up. laughs>
0: Making Leeds sound bad. <laughs> no,
1: don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, but I'd gone from, like, doing experiences in Leeds and and the UK, so London, Manchester, et cetera, yeah. but then I'm stood on, like, the top of um, a mountain in Nepal, like, on top of a trail, like, overlooking the whole of, like, Nepal. So it was, like... But that was, like... Between landing in Dubai already, which is an experience in itself, I was doing this. Exp- I was doing this activation within by May. So from f- middle of February to May, it was like this massive whirlwind. And I've gone like Leeds. Is, like being back at home is still very fresh in my head. And now I'm just yeah. in the middle of um, Nepal. Just you like... must have
0: felt like you made the right decision. Yeah,
1: I did. Yeah. I, I really, I really did. It felt, it felt like it was the right decision. Um, and yeah, like some some really cool clients as well. Not just PlayStation, Starbucks, Mercedes did some stuff with them as well. It's um, a really
0: big global client client list. Yeah,
1: exactly that. Um, and it was really really good work, and a lot of the stuff, and made a lot of good friends there as well. Just in terms of with the clients that I was working with as well. Still speak to a lot of the PlayStation clients um, over in the Middle East. Um, and they, yeah, they were they were a great team, and, and had a lot of fun. And I think it was that sort of, like... It was a real big jump and, like, catalyst of, like, the level of creativity as well that can go into experiences and activations because the stuff that I was doing before... It was still experience, it was still... But it was it wasn't at the kind it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't experiences in Nepal. Another one we did was in like Lebanon, mountains of Lebanon as well. So, it wasn't that that kind of it wasn't that kind of level of stuff. So it was it was a good jump and a really good good experience, I think. And also getting out of your comfort zone, um, working with different types of suppliers from different regions, like from India, and, and working with someone that's in Nepal, and, and all of those different things that you just You don't necessarily do you're in a kind of comfort zone of I work in the UK everything is this is what it is is," but then suddenly you're outside of that and it gives you a good understanding like a, a new education of how to deal with that so then when you do come back everything that you were dealing with feels a little bit simpler because you've done different you've worked in different environments so when you do get a little bit of a oh this is difficult then you kind of think well I've worked on this with different suppliers from different all over the globe. I'm sure I can figure this out in the UK where I'm from and I've got those connections already already there. So Yeah. Mm.
0: And I know things might have changed now, but um when you were there, kind of how was the work like your work life, your work life balance, that that kind of thing. I know you said you in, already had in Dubai, I in know Dubai. you already had um one friend there. Was it easy to meet people? Like um, how was um how was all of that for you?
1: Yeah, it was it was good. I think the thing with me, and this is part of the reason I've started my own business, is I'm very, very focused on work. So, the, I, and I, I had an amazing time and the weekends were great, but, like, actually building that life element, work always came first, really. So, like, and I think the thing about Dubai as well is because a lot of people are from uh, uh, Emirates and their schedules are very different. So, people, and then you have friends that are like promoters and work in like clubs. And so they'll be like, right, we're all off out on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed at half 10. And that, that those schedules didn't necessarily match up. So, there is kind of like two lives in Dubai because you've got that kind of tourist, your friends are, one of your friends is flying in every other week and everyone's going out and they're going out on the Tuesday. And then you've got the work kind of balance of, I work a 9 to 5 more than 8 to 7 but but I work on these on these projects and that's and that's what I'm focused on and for me that was kind of kind of a big focus and I think um looking back I would I don't think I would have done anything differently if I'm honest with you I think I am I I love what I do so being able to sort of like Focus on that and do these amazing things, and not be hungover or whatever at work on a Wednesday. Like I'm not, I'm not bothered that I missed, I missed out on that sort of thing.
0: I think it's great. A lot of people wish they had more passion for what they do, or could find a job that they'd be that passionate about, and um, be able to forego the nights out and be like fulfilled with their work. So I think it's great that it was kind of giving you everything that you'd hoped for.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and like and that was the that was kind of the reason I left because when it stopped fulfilling that part because the dubai life side of things I wasn't like in love with i mean yeah. some people that stay because they love the dubai life and they love the brunches and the beaches and that things and don't get me wrong i love brunches i love beaches <laughs> but I, I wasn't like I need this part. For me, it was like, I want the work part. And if the work part wasn't amazing, I kind of just went where the work was, Um, which is what led me kind of back back to to the UK, really, because it was just within the company I was in, it felt like, again, I'd kind of hit a ceiling of what was going to happen. And I... I, I felt that I, I should have been promoted and I wasn't promoted and but other people around me were promoted and at one point someone left and they were like, well, if you're not getting promoted then I know that if, if, if the work that you're putting in isn't going to get you promoted you're better than I am yeah. so I'm going to leave the company because I know that I'm never going to get promoted and it's pointless. And so they actually quit and... I was I was sticking it out, but then when one other person got promoted, I was just like, Look, yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna kinda call it a day and I just I moved I moved straight. Back.
0: Well, yeah. I mean I think that they um they went wrong really with starting you off on that high of a <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. <laughs> There was there was really nothing yeah. yeah. could do to keep yeah, you after that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um and again, everything happens for a reason. I'm so so glad i didn't have that experience i still like work with that agency now and we've we've done stuff with them since like since i started up nobody's cafe we've worked with them since then so um i think it's it's always one of those things that you kind of you meet these people and you create these experiences and i've worked with my the second company i worked with in leeds we just did something with them as as well so i think even if you don't Love what happens and, and and what's going on in your work. I think it's it's really important to keep those connections because you don't really know where where that can go. Like and also sometimes it's just it's just in the business. There's just nothing they can yeah. do, and you can't see that because there isn't the finances there, or there isn't this, or there isn't, and you can't see that. And sometimes you're being held back, and you shouldn't be held back, and, and all of these things. But I think keeping those connections because. Something down the line might come or you you may get offered something that you weren't offered or they may be able to say, we know that that person was great in the company and we didn't necessarily send them off to the level they needed to be, but this is what we can now help them with or anything like that. So I I, I do think even I say, like, I left and I'm glad I left. I'm glad I also kept the connections that I made while I was there.
0: I think that's why it's so important to really know your worth, know what you want to achieve so that there isn't any bitterness there. When you decide, actually, they can't give me the role that that I should have, you can just move on to somewhere else and and keep that connection and and have that positive relationship going forward.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. And I think, like, saying that, it's like knowing what you're worth and understanding what you want from a role will help just... At whatever level you're on because if you know what you want from it then it's really it really allows you to go right well this isn't what I want from it so therefore I need to explore something else whereas I think if you leave it up to your employers or um, or your management manager to tell you what you need from the role then you're always in their hands. So if they give you something and it isn't what you want and you don't, you're not really sure if that's what you want, then you, you, you can't really ask for something else or you can't go off somewhere else. And that, I think that's even the same for, like, interns. And I get emails about from people saying, I want to intern. And the first thing I ask them is, like, what do you want from it? Yeah. Because I can tell you now if I can give you what you want from it or I can help you on the way to what you want from it. Because if I can't, there's no point in me saying, yes, intern here, because at the, that stage of your career, it's about learning and it's about understanding where, where you want to go, so I think it's, it's really important, so yeah, that's a really good point
0: And so, after you left Dubai, you didn't decide to go back to Leeds, you actually <laughs> <Yeah>. you, you, <laughs> Leeds is
1: great by the way, Leeds is great
0: <laughs> But you decided to move to London um, right. so how did that decision come about, were you, um, were you just ready for something different and kind of looking for a new place to explore as opposed to going back to your old stomping ground? Yeah, I think
1: with London, um, in terms of the UK, there is a lot more opportunities when it comes to marketing, brand experiences, advertising, all of those things. That there, there, there are more companies here. I think there are a lot of companies outside of London that are doing amazing, amazing work, um, but there just isn't as many opportunities in those cities. So coming... Coming to London was kind of something I've always wanted to do. Like, my, my dad is actually, well, he's originally from Grenada, but lived in London for most of his life, uh, like, Windrush wind generation. So there's always, like... I've always come down here when I was young, and there was always, like, a draw to come live here anyway. And then, like, an opportunity sort of arose, well... I was <laughs> I was still in Dubai, and I was kind of, like, applying for this job. Um, I think you said it was at RPM. And the day I quit without having the job at RPM, so I quit on the morning, on the evening, because we were four hours ahead, I got a phone call from RPM, who I hadn't heard from in about three weeks at this point, and I just thought, like, it wasn't happening. Called me and went, we want to offer you the job. The same day I'd just quit. In Dubai, <laughs>
0: that's very convenient. <laughs> yeah, so,
1: like I said, it all works out. Um, so, literally, I got that job, um, and then I was working my notice in in Dubai, and then literally, I had one week in between my notice in Dubai and then starting my job. How does London. that
0: work logistically? Like, did you have to, like, try and find a flat online while still, like, living in Dubai, like, find a place to stay and Yeah, that exactly
1: happened? that. So I very kindly had a friend that went to see a ven- went to see um not a venue, um, I'm in work mode, I went to see a flat for me and, like, checked it out and was like, yeah, you can come live here for a bit. Um, so I just went and, like, lived in... This flat that he'd gone looked for me, like a house share, and then I lived there for a few months before the place I'm in now. So,
0: so how did you find working in London compared to with um, the other places that you worked? So both Leeds and Dubai. Did you enjoy the, the pace, the working life, the environment?
1: Yeah. So I've, like, like I've been down to London millions of times to see family and, and bits like that. So I was already such of like. So in tune with the tube. So when when I was little, my dad used to get me to memorize the underground just as something to keep me entertained when I was little. um So I was already like in tune with that sort of side of things and like the pace of it. And I I really enjoy busy cities. So I, I'm a I'm, New York is where I would like if I was going to go live anywhere else. It'd probably be New York. So just an even busier city so like that, that kind of pace of things yeah, more, more more than happy with mm-hmm. um i think the thing about london is it's really spread out so when you move here and you've got and you say oh, i've got friends in london like where in london are those friends
0: what zone yeah, do what, live in? yeah <laughs> what zone
1: do they live in because i've got friends that i tell them like you don't even live in london like that zone's not even in london like so um and also then you go well one's Totally west, one's totally east and one's totally north and then and it's like, all oh, right, that that kind of thing is very different from somewhere like even Dubai is is quite quick to get to, even if you've got a friend that lives Far away, it's, it's still quick to give, get to. Leeds is everything's five minutes away. So especially everyone drives in Leeds as well. So it's literally everything's five minutes away. So that was a, that was a different thing that I'm, to be honest, still getting used to about living in London five years later. Um, because th- there is a lot more commuting to, just going out for dinner. Um, but when it came to the work, um, I start like I started working on um, like a PepsiCo. Sort of client so they had offshoots where they were dealing with naked you know the um, juice drinks and they were doing some like new products that were working on and like doing supper clubs with them and working with influencers as well so that was again just straight into working on some like really cool um, clients and some really cool stuff as well um, and th- that was that was a good experience got to bring people together we did. We ended up doing supper clubs like Reggie Yates who's a very cool guy um, and, and bits like that so yeah I would I would say that the the level of work and like the pace of work in Dubai versus London was very different um, in terms of I went from working on PlayStation and other clients who were doing and activating something every literally every two months you were doing something like huge Whereas in in London it was a little bit slower paced in the sense of we're working on something, and this could take the next eight months of planning et cetera et cetera to to get it where it needs to go um it wasn't so like that kind of thing because it is easier to move stuff in Dubai and to turn stuff around quicker than it is than it is actually in in the u k because there is less less hoops to go through and, and those things and and you do have like Whereas in the UK, it's a case that you might go... The factory for the thing that you need to make is up in Scotland and they're going to take six weeks to make it. In Dubai, the factory's, like, an hour's drive away and they're already making it because you've called them and they've started working on it. Like, that kind of... That difference. So when you say, right, we need to get this done in six weeks, it, it can be done. Whereas in the UK, sometimes they're like, that can't be done. Or they're, just, they're, they're backed up and they won't find the space to to get it done Um, and the quality is both I think the quality is both level on both sides it's just sometimes just because the UK we work as because this is it we say we work in London but some of your suppliers that you work with when you make these experiences aren't actually in London whereas when you say you work in Dubai everyone's pretty much in Dubai so what you're trying to get to is a couple of hours away like when you work in London the chances are most of your suppliers aren't in London because they're the more expensive ones so it is a case of Mm -hmm. think about deliveries and shipping and and all of those things that come into things taking a little bit longer in the UK Um, and then also clients just um, with with the budgets and what they spend on being a little bit more cautious on, on, on that spend when it comes to like experiential and activations whereas in somewhere like Dubai everything needs to be the biggest thing yeah. So everything needs to be like, they've just done that, so we need to do this because it's the biggest thing. Um, and we've worked in London for Dubai clients uh, recently, and, again, part of their reasoning was because their competitors have done this, so therefore they need to do it and they need to do we it better. We need to
0: work with the London agency. Cause... Yeah,
1: well, we need to do, uh, yeah, we need to work with the London agency, yeah. but we need to do it and we need to do it bigger and better. So that's kind of like... That there isn't that mentality here, yes every single one of the clients wants to be creative and innovative and do something that's different and as big as it possibly can but there's not that it needs to be flashy and grand like there is in Dubai so yeah so it's it's a bit different
0: and of course being in London you are now working within a much more diverse city but we of course hear that although there's lots of diversity out out and about in London, it's not necessarily in Adland. Like, yeah. did you did you notice that, or did it feel any different to working in Leeds? Was there more diversity, more more black people within your agencies?
1: Um, well, yes, by scale, but not necessarily by percentage. Um, because, so the, the when I was working in, in Leeds, there were smaller, like um, the percentage was. Probably the same, you know what I mean? Like, I think at RPM at the time, there was probably around, I'd say, I'm just trying to think of percentages here, maybe 10%, and that's being very, very generous. Probably around 5% uh, was diverse at the time I was working there. Um, So it's a little bit like... No, <laughs> I guess this is the short answer. Like,
0: were you used to that, though? Like, I was used you to it. You don't,
1: you, you don't necessarily think about it. So it's a case of once, you, once you've worked in the industry and once you've worked in any industry and you go into the rooms and there is only certain people that you see in those rooms, you don't suddenly expect to go into a different room and see, like, oh, wow, this is totally different. Like, that isn't, this, that's not what you expect and it hasn't become what I expect. I don't think it's right but it's just not necessarily what you're used to and what you're programmed. I've been working in this industry for nearly like 15 years now. So to be, so to expect there to be a level of diversity, I think would just be, yeah, just silly on my part. Was there more black people working in there than there had been, or diverse people working in there, sorry. Um, I say black because I'm I'm black, so what what more resonates with myself. Yes, but there was also 100 people working there versus the 10 people i have been working with before. So was the percentages different? Not really, they were probably worse. So it, it's kind of like once you, once you scale up in size of the business, you, you'd hope that, right, we're now at 50% diversity. That, that's not really what happens. You just get more people in a room, and yes, there are more diverse people, but that's just because there's more people in the room then working in Leeds, where there was less people, and then even in Dubai. Um, in Dubai, there was there was a, there was a good mix of diversity as well because you, you have like Filipino working there, sort of um, um, Arabics working there. So there, there was there was a there was a mix, but percentages wise, probably probably a similar similar percentage. Um, that, so from RPM, I, I went out of agency and I went kind of to trip which was client side my first yeah. time working client side and diversity there changes a little bit and it does like it is a bit broader but in a sense like in the marketing departments still not necessarily as di- as diverse as it, as it can be sort of like I'd say like the female split female male split is always quite good um LGBTQ plus split is, is, is generally quite good. In, in, in Culture Trip, it was a lot better than potentially other places I've worked before in terms of the LGBTQ split. Um, but, yeah, it's still, like, diversity is, is, still, is still an issue. I think um, it's something that's getting addressed. But um, you re- I was at a talk with the elephant room that work with Clarks I don't know if you've heard of them but yeah. um, I was at a talk with them and like you, you hear some of the percentages that we're in now and like um, and and I know I talk because I relate to being being black or Caribbean descent African descent the Asian you look at the Asian percentages and it's even worse than sort of like the African Caribbean descent percentages so it's getting better and people are addressing it, but I don't know if it's moving at the pace it needs to do. Um, and I also think some of the issues that there the generally is with this thing is people look, oh, well, we need to educate the, the youth and then it's going to increase the percentages. Yeah. But when you kind of get into a company and you are that youth that was educated... Cause like, that's what they said about when I was young that's what they were doing when I was young, like education to get people into careers and to but then when you're in those careers and multiple places that you go there's like a ceiling and yeah. you can't get past that ceiling, and people that are managing you aren't as good as like aren't as good as you, but look a certain different way to you, then it's like, well, potentially there's something that still needs to be done now, yes, there needs to be education. For, for other people to get into it, but there needs to be a reason for them to feel like they want to be in it. Yeah. And I think even when I was in it and, and, I, and like, working in this industry, I would still look at things um, like entertainment, like film, TV, music, sports, as being like, as a, as a person of African and Caribbean descent, that is where you are going to have a fulfilled, happy life if, you're, if you are in that because that's what's shown on TV is, like, those are the people that are successful, whereas in business um, and in the industry I was in, it's, it's minimal. So, like, you never really had someone that's, like, on a board level that's been, that's been diverse in a in company that I've worked with, like, those yeah. kind of things. So it's, like, yes, education and that side of thing is important and it really is, but it's also about giving opportunities to the people that are already in those roles or already in those companies, so that the people that get educated and the younger people that get educated know that there's something for them. Otherwise, like, why bother? Like, you need
0: to be able to progress, like, to, I guess, the whole, like, entire realms of your ability, not be stopped by a ceiling because
1: of um because your race yeah it's exactly exactly that and i think that's probably because whenever these conversations come up and they do come up i always kind of say like and everyone always points to the oh we need to go into universities and we need to like educate yeah. the people that are in there and like let's let's make them better and yes y- we do but you've also got Uh, like, a position on a board, like, in your company right now, like, of this person, this imaginary person that's speaking, you've got a position in your company right now that's probably going to go to someone that, like, there is someone that's educated of a diverse, like, um, diverse race, but but it's probably not going to go to them. So while you're sat there saying that people need to be educated, you're not looking hard enough for the people that are educated.
0: I experienced this before. I was working at a company and they were really insistent in going into schools and colleges. And I said, you realise the percentage of people who are graduating university, so they have a full degree. If they're from a diverse background, they're less likely to actually be able to get a role in what they studied. So you've got these people with a degree who you're not giving a job, but you want to go to, to the school yeah. Yeah, <laughs> to warm well, them up and you're like there's people that don't need to be brought up when yeah. you really got a degree you need to hire them
1: yeah it's exactly that but the thing is about like it's perception as well yeah. it's like outwardly it looks like oh we're going into schools and we're doing such a hard work but then like actually internally what are you, act- what are you actually doing and that kind of happened with like the George Floyd thing when in, in our company like We were about to say a lot of things on social media and people within the company were like, how can you say this stuff and go outwardly saying how supportive you are? When internally, there's no one diverse on the board, there's no one like diverse at a C-suite level. So how can you go out and say that? But it looks great to say, oh, we're going into school. We all
0: stand together. It's like, actually, let's... I've seen some companies, they have been a lot more transparent and they have published all of their stats and then they're updating them year on year now. One great way not to hit a ceiling is to start your own business. (laughs) Um, You picked the best time ever for it, didn't you? So we were like going into a lockdown. Were you thinking about starting your business, Nobody's Cafe, before the rumblings of the pandemic or did it come about when you saw what was happening around you?
1: So I was I was at Culture Trip when the pandemic started. Um, our CEO at the time was a doctor, and he kind of saw that what was going to happen earlier. So I can remember we having conversa- I was having conversations because we were working really close at the time on a few projects, and it was about early February. He's like, "We're going to go into a lockdown." I was like, "Never going to happen! Like, it's not going to happen." He's like, "No, but it's, it's, it's definitely going to happen." he sent us all home early and then unfortunately partly i think it was already going to happen and also just because of the pandemic there was redundancies made at that culture trip um and and i was one of i was one of those that got made redundant i work in a travel company and i work in the events department in that travel company
0: and your CEO's a
1: doctor. He's, he's now off saving the world. Yeah. So you can kind of you kind of know that your job is at risk when that is that's that's your role. So I had kind of I I was uns I was unsatisfied. Like I'd done stuff in Leeds and I got to a point where I'm like I'm unsatisfied. There needs to be more. I get to I've gone to Dubai. There's a point hit the ceiling. I'm unsatisfied. I need more. Go, gone to London. Done that in the agency. Same. Then gone over to client side, done that, and I was like, there's just there's I always felt that there was always a little bit more I could be doing. Um so I was made redundant. That was a very long process. There was a the idea of like staying with the company, there was all of the things that I could have done. There was an idea of like trying to find a role within another company in a brand experience company in, in June, 2020, it was just, it was, it wasn't going to happen. And I felt like it was something that I'd wanted to do. And I wanted to kind of like break through that. And like you just said, there like, there isn't a ceiling. Cause it's like, I've started my own company. So the ceiling is what the company can do and what we can, what we can make it do. Um, and I felt, this was, like, that was the sign to go do it. That being made redundant was a sign to go do it. And so June 2020, Nobody's Cafe was born. Um, and, yeah, middle of the pandemic. But I think, and this is why I, like, go back to getting pulled into that office when I was 24 and told to quit that job. It, it all happens for a reason. And I think that time where a lot of other companies were like focused on how do we survive what do we do like making redundancies themselves organizing all those things and like that kind of like that metaphor of big ships trying to turn and it's very difficult i was there kind of like in in the office space that i've got in my house like working on the logo um doing the website myself like doing all of this like figuring out how to even set up a company in the first place like figuring out what accounts were and how to get that all sorted and i was sort of laying the foundations while also talking about this is the potential writing the copy for the website which massively needs an update before anyone like jumps onto the website needs an update but those things that i was kind of able to do in a period where it was like it was it was quiet and i got to really refine that i Like, even the first website's changed since that, and I I did a second website in that period because I was unhappy with that first one. And all of those things that I got to do in that sort of June 2020 to January, um, when, in January 2021 is when I got the rumblings of the first client, and, yeah. So it was a good six months of kind of, like, living off what had been, like, um, redundancy money and, like, that side of things and they um paying out my contract and bits like that living off that um again things with the pandemic allowed me to like I wasn't actually doing much so it like money that would have been going out was not as going out as quickly because I just wasn't I wasn't going out for dinners all the time I wasn't commuting
0: everything was closed yeah so you didn't feel like you you definitely wouldn't have felt like you were missing out because no one was doing
1: much exactly so like those times i'm in the room in my rooms like in the office like working on logos etc i'm not feeling like oh god i wish i was here or here because it wasn't happening so i think all of those things really kind of fell into place to allow me to to focus in on what it was that we wanted to try that i wanted to try and create um and then speaking to people just having zoom calls even that kind of thing like have a zoom call like yeah cool let's have a zoom because other people weren't as busy so you're meeting people that you would never have met and yeah. like linked on linkedin a lot and like um even like the posting on there and building up a bit of a presence on there and and connecting with people and all of those things and um and also like part of me was just dealing with all the stuff that was going on with the George, George Floyd moment at the time as well, so it was June 2020, that was the, the moment it kind of all eru- erupted, mm-hmm. and watching all the news and watching all that, fi- that stuff happening, wow. while also being in the lockdown, while also just coming off the back of being made redundant, while also starting a business, like, it, there was there was a lot going on, and so it was like, it allowed me to focus in on something rather than everything else. Like, there was a lockdown, but I focus in on this. There was a George Floyd and all of the things that are being said and all of the, like... Like, there was an amal- amazing amounts of good that were happening at the time and a lot of people coming out and saying amazing things, but there was also a lot of people on social media saying bad things and, like, the responses that you were getting to some of this stuff. So it was, it was a really, like... Sort of cathartic thing yeah. to be able to go right, this is really important to me, and i I love what I'm doing, and I'm doing it for me um and not only that, like I think if we like jump back into what we were saying earlier like and giving people from diverse backgrounds something to look at in the industry, I was doing it for that as well, so I always felt like. I'm hitting a ceiling but I always also felt like there's no one that looks like me that hasn't hit that ceiling and I think in the US it's, it, they have their own problems don't get me wrong but like in some companies you do see that that people of a more senior level are are diverse, I remember meeting someone that was really high up when I did something for Tripping South by Southwest and I remember meeting someone up at, at Twitter at the time that was like really senior, like um, african-american guy and i was like like instantly you feel like oh wow it, it's possible yeah. like i'm 33 34 at that time and i'm like oh now i realize it's possible because i've seen that it's possible um so it's those things and like doing this now and being a founder and running a business and working and like chatting with other people and uh, do, doing their own things and working, speaking to other founders at some other amazing agencies and that have started their own thing like because a lot of them have all hit ceilings in the companies they were in and they've gone the only way i'm not going to be able to hit that ceiling is by going out and starting a company on my own and and i was in the talk i was in a talk the other day um it was like the elephant room and it was like this is just the start. So these people that are all starting these these businesses because they hit ceilings in the companies that were in because they saw no one that looked like them that were running businesses. It's like we're doing, we're doing it now. Um, and so I think that at that point, especially at that moment in time in June twenty twenty when all of this was going on, it massively fueled me, and it fuels me every day since because it it, it does make me think and like even when I think about like having kids and I think about like what you were saying there about that um and what we were saying about like educating and like companies going oh we need to go out and educate like I'm trying to give them something to actually look towards because like the companies that are going out and educating are going yeah well we're not hiring you we might give you an intern role but like don't think you're going to be on the board whereas like I'm trying to create something that makes them think do you know what actually I'm going to go out and start something on my own or I'm going to go work somewhere that does allow me to to, to get to that to get to get that point. So I think that because of that, that June moment, it kind of, like, was all a catalyst and it felt yeah. like it was right that I was starting it. And I know that sounds a little bit like the universe was telling you something kind of thing, but it just felt like that, that moment, it could have happened at another moment in time, but that, that felt like it was just, like, the right moment and... And since that, it's not easy running a business. Okay. Um, and, yeah, um, so, yeah.
0: Well, I know Nobody's Cafe, you're a experiential and events collective, but could you just talk me through a bit more about kind of what you, what you do, kind of what clients you work with and that kind of thing?
1: So, yeah, so the way we kind of, like, what we focus on and what I kind of love is in, re- in real life experiences and I think I kind of doubled down on that while everyone was doing virtual experiences yeah. I was kind of a little bit like I do think they have a merit but that in person connection and that being somewhere is something that is really important so that's kind of what we, we try and do, we try and create tangible experiences that someone can um, either be in a place or receive something so like an influencer gift sets or something like that or a gift set that someone can kind of like open and, and actually feel like there's some, something there and we'll do sort of product launches and events where pe- people are together do panel talks Um it's really hard um and I know because you you're from this background but it's like and and the stuff that you've you've worked on as well and what you've reported on you've seen that it's so it can be so varied yeah so for an agency to say like oh we do events it's like well yeah but not really (laughs) so it's like like would you call like popping up in Westfield and doing a big stand and, and letting people come in and taste something or experience something is that an event like in comparison to a wedding say well not no, but it's so it's really hard to kind of like like narrow down on that. For example, I would look at and this is a few years back. um I think it was Momentum that did it. Was a billboard, the Tomb Raider billboard, uh, where you have people stood on there and they're, there's a, like they created a game out of a billboard. Now that's not an event, but it's experiential and it's a brand yeah. experience. So it's it's really hard, and that's why my dad thinks that experiential is a made up word because he has no idea what i do and that's what he said when i'm the company um but we we piece all of those together and the way we look at it is we we try and bring people together we try and create that moment that they experience something um and that might not it might not be a thousand people it might not be a, it, it could be a thousand people it could be ten thousand people um but it's or it could be 10, but it's bringing them together and giving them an experience. Because I personally think that when you look back on your life, it's those experiences that you've had that really you're going to remember. When when we're in Nepal and we've brought those people to Nepal, they're never going to really forget that. They're never going to go, oh, that was like just an ad that I saw in yeah. the magazine. They're going to go this is something that I lived, that I'm going to tell other people that I lived, that I'm going to look back on photos at some point in my life and go, I lived that. And, like, our parents look back at, like, actual photos that were actually printed of their experiences in terms of where they travelled and all of those things. And I think brands can deliver that for consumers, they can deliver that for influencers, they can deliver that for press, they can deliver that for those that work inside the company. And I think... That is why I'm passionate about it because I actually think that it it does help and it can help brands really connect, create loyalty, create sort of like value with the people that they want to speak to by giving them an experience. So that's what we do. Um, which is a really long answer. And when you need to introduce yourself and say, what do you do? (laughs) It's really hard. but but
0: everyone's going to be on the edge of their chair like,
1: oh, my God, I want this experience. you talking about. Yeah, well, this is it. This is what what we do. Um, And the the way we do it is um, we've got kind of a core team. And when we get bigger projects on, we bring people in to to help deliver those projects. And we've done stuff for... um, Amazon Prime Video. We've done stuff for Adidas. We work closely with Trivago, doing like experiences for them. We've done stuff for Spotify. Um, so, yes, yeah, some really really cool brands that we've we've got the chance to work with, um, and some really cool stuff that we've that we've worked on so far. So, it's all exciting, really exciting stuff. Um,
0: Anything top secret coming up for Christmas?
1: Yeah, a couple of top secret things coming up yeah. for Christmas, which I can't say, which I'd love to be able to talk about, but. Um, hopefully you'll see more of that soon, like, by the end of this year, so, yeah.
0: What do you think really sets Nobody's Café apart from other agencies? Like, why do people gravitate towards towards you and want to work with you?
1: Um, That's a tough one, because I think, like, I don't... I think trying to have, like, a point of difference and all that makes them, other agencies, seem like they're doing something wrong. So they're not necessarily doing something wrong, because I think all other agencies... Have their own ways of working and, and doing what's right for them. I think with us, because we're small and we're, we're able to do it, we have amazing relationships with our clients as well. We're very transparent about what what we're doing and how how we're doing it in terms of markups, in terms of the way that we work our fees. So a lot of that is is based on the size that we are. It's it's based on just creating those relationships, and then even with our partners, like some of the partners we've worked with, um, we worked with someone on one of the campaigns we did this summer, emailing someone in New York, and I'm on the phone with them at, like, 10 at night, chatting through, and, like, now, like, went back to New York in September, I'm having dinner with that person because they're now my friend, and it's that kind of, like, we are trying to create a community in a sense that when I've worked at other agencies, like, suppliers... Etc. haven't necessarily felt part of the community. They've felt like they are a service to what's trying to be delivered and we're trying to build, like... And that's why we say about bringing people together. We're not just talking about, like, bringing consumers together. We're not just talking about um, bringing the creatives together in the room. We're talking about, like, bringing clients into, the like, what we're doing. We're talking about... Um, like bringing suppliers into that process and like we if we work with a supplier and a client asks who the supplier is we say who the supplier is we don't hide those things and when i've been in other agencies it's, it's kind of like everything's white labeled and like oh hush we can't tell them that we're using this person and and it's like I know, like, what... They, they, they We go back to the start of this conversation. We talk about what did I do when I was in university. I leant into my strengths. So that allowed me to know that I was delivering on that. Because I've lent into... I know I'm good at English. I know I'm good at media. So I've lent into my strengths. Same with, same with the company. Leaning into the strengths of what the company is good at. So... Are we the best at PR? No. So we've brought in this other person that can help with that. Are we the best at fabricating a whatever it might be? No, but we've we work with people that are, and this is the people that, that we're working with, I think. And a lot of agencies that I've worked in or, like... Because I've also been on client side, so I've had, like, both sides of the table, and I've had the kind of, like, standoff... We're only going to show you the presentation when the presentation's ready. We're only going to show you these bits. And I remember having a conversation when I was client-side with, with an agency, and I was like, look, I've done this. <laughs> so I've been doing this for a very long time. I know that I need to get, I need to sell you into the CMO, and they need to buy what your idea is. Why don't we just work on it together so I can like, help do that? And they were like, no, we'll show you it when it's ready. They showed it, CMO didn't like it, went with another agency. And I was like, I wanted to go with that agency. I was pushing as hard as I could to go with the agency. That's why I was like... But because there's that kind of, like, a bit standoffish, a bit like you're a client and, like, we're the agency and there's, like, this battle in between us... I'm trying, and I want to hopefully start breaking that down. And it doesn't. It like, and I'll be honest, it doesn't always work. Sometimes clients like want that that relationship because that's the relationship they've been used the history, to, and, yeah. and that's like this is this is what we want, and that's that's fine. Nobody's cafe might not be f- the agency for you, but there are um there are clients that do want that there are clients that do want to be like and understand like what's going on in the process and who are you working with and 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 those bits and like i'm i think there was a time when a lot of these agencies that are now here that were building up like there wasn't google to the extent it is now like there wasn't the branding of the the suppliers to the the extent suppliers brand themselves now because I
0: think when some of these agencies were coming out there was just the yellow pages, yeah. there was no 100%, 100%. internet. Hundred <laughs> percent, there's yeah.
1: someone like RPM. I think is twenty eight years old as an as an agency, like and maybe maybe a bit older. But
0: I'm the, thinking like Ogilvy, Saatchi. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those is yeah like in like,
1: terms yeah. of like them like <laughs> the yellow pages of spread, yeah. like that was it. So these people had a black book. These people like this is our supplier. Like to know who this supplier is, you will have to come into our office and yeah. steal my Rolodex or my black book. That is the only way you're ever going to know. Whereas now we're, we're in a time where you go onto Google and you type in whatever the thing you want and you can find it. And so we're kind of like so. And if and then also, if clients want to do that, they they're free to do that. So like where you're buying or paying for our expertise in being able to pull those things together in a way that you might not be able to pull them together. Um, but we're still going to be transparent about it. We're still going to let you know who we're working with. We're still going to be having those conversations and we're, we're still going to solve the problems. So I think that's the that's the slight difference. But like I said, all of these agencies are doing amazing things and I think... There's also a lot of clients and experiences that, that can be made. So it's never a case of we want everything. It's a case of we work with people that we feel match how we work. And sometimes some of these agencies work with multiple... Some of these clients work with multiple agencies anyway. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of it.
0: So you were saying you had your first client in January 2021 yes Is that right so you've you've been going over a year you're gonna be nearly at your two-year mark coming up yeah,
1: no no so so the company's two and a half okay and like first client would be like two years yeah so at the company had its second year and we're out second year we were out working in Cannes Lions that's lovely on, yeah on the birthday of the company so Um,
0: Did you you celebrate a little bit? I know you're very work-focused, but did you have, like, at least one glass of rosé?
1: Yeah, I did have one glass of (laughs) rosé to kind of, like, to mark two years. So from going... So from being on my own, working and building up a website, to be, like, there, like, brought on... When January came, brought on a guy called i'm david and he's called dave brought him on as sort of like co- co-founder to help build and there's like the three of us now in the team um to kind of be there can lions delivering a project from where i was two years ago it was yeah it was a it was a moment um so like and now we're working some amazing projects again before the rest of the year um yeah it's it's been a, it's been a journey and it's not always an easy journey and it's not um, like when you first got that first call in January it was a, it was a big client the first the first pitch we did was for Amazon Prime Video um, up against ten other agencies um, so yeah like that as the first one and like getting getting that and I think that's. Like companies and and brands that like are excited to work with black-owned agencies, so like it, it's creating opportunities where they're not. But then also, that's great as a foot in the door. But then we also have to deliver. Yeah. So it's it's great being that foot in the door. But then it's like working on that first pitch and and pulling that all together from going like it was literally from zero to one hundred real quick, um, and like putting that together. And then we did a few 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 projects with them and then Girago, and it kind of just it, it kind of builds and part of it is like, a lot of it's like peer-to-peer in that as well and it's like speaking to people and it's creating those relationships of people that like want to work with us rather than just they want something delivered and it's like a service provider so like I, I really enjoy building those relationships with clients and like some of the stuff I did and some of the stuff we've done. Um,
0: Is there anything that really stands out for you, like a piece of work that you wanted to kind of mention, or it, that yeah, really?
1: Yeah, like well, like a lot of the a lot of the stuff we did. Like I love the stuff that we do with Travago, and we've been working them for nearly like two years. Straight working with their sponsorship activation with um, Chelsea Football Club and that's like amazing stuff, and they they're amazing people as well. So great to work with. Um, the first stuff that we did with Prime because it was like the first first cut is the deepest kind of thing. Like that was that was amazing, um, and that was still kind of a little bit in lockdown. So we are working with a lot of influencers. We did an amazing um, we did a great project for Green King. Uh, where we did um, their product launch and we had a lot of stuff going on with, like, theatre and scripts and, and, and all of this stuff at their product launch. Um, Cannes, like, the work that we did out in Cannes um, and, like, bringing, for example, we brought um, Morgan Stern's New York ice cream. We brought them over and they did activity in Cannes um, for Spotify for the, for the client and stuff like that. So that was, like amazing and like just to be able to do that was just fantastic we um just like we were doing photo shoots video like there was a lot that that went into that and i think that was really exciting but the one that we've got coming up (laughs) is actually the one that i'm probably the most excited about ever of of everything i've done with not just nobody's cafe but for every for all my other clients as well so
0: oh, I'm, very, I'm very
1: very excited for that um, so I hope they'll be able to share more about that soon so I'm sorry to like to <laughs> on a podcast where I can't tell everything but uh, it's just it's, why
0: we said everyone should follow you on LinkedIn yeah
1: exactly yeah exactly follow it. me on LinkedIn and you'll you'll see it
0: so as well as talking about um, kind of your experiences on LinkedIn you also share lots of amazing projects that are very, like, eye-catching. So, kind of, when it comes... Um, you obviously have a real love for experiences, experiential. Kind of, what kinds of projects really catch your eye? And, um, you yeah, know, when it comes to...
1: So, and, and, and this is it. Like, the part of the reason, like, I share these things is because I'm looking out for these things because it, it helps me and what I do to know what other people are doing and, like, but also just to be inspired by what what they do I think I've got there's some areas that I'm passionate about so like I'm passionate about sort of like fashion streetwear, sort of that that side of things so a lot of stuff that I that I see um will have relevance to that basketball is a big thing for me and, and those things so like that's kind of what I I look towards sport as well and that that's, that's a that's a big thing music film like I've got my sort of like pillars so I'll look at those um, as they're like those stand out to me but then also when it comes to like the actual creativity of it it's doing something in a little bit of a different way like if we look at it nearly everything's been done but it's about how do you change like, how do you connect with an audience differently? How do you, how do brands and, like, agencies make something span a longer period of time? I also, like, I used to, and I still don't like when something happens once, so it's a big bang, and it's like, wow, here we did this amazing thing, but it's like, right, what else are you going to do after that? And, like, clients that, um, or brands and agencies that have worked with them that kind of think, right this is our plan of like we're going to do this then this is going to be followed by this and it's all going to kind of match together and and resonate together like i I really enjoy those things bringing in our bringing in like diversity as well i think partnerships with um the the social groups that there are out there and and that kind of thing i'm really passionate about that and and brands working together and what collaborations can make. I think there is a lot of collabs out there at the moment and brands sometimes collab a bit too much, but off the back of it, it usually creates something that is a little bit different that you weren't expecting from either brand. And I think that is that is quite interesting. I'm like If I look at someone, a brand that's kind of, in terms of what I was saying about what's next, Hennessy have done some really cool stuff recently where... They, they sponsor the NBA yeah. so they've done some really cool stuff in the UK where they they, they started out by having like an a, an event sort of like an influencer press industry event where they took over a space they had like basketball courts in there they've they've used their branding of sort of like black and white really strong throughout throughout that creating basketballs that and then doing influencer kits that they were gifting with that sort of merchandise and it's bringing all of that world together but then they haven't just done that they've then brought a space and they've bought that outside um box park and you've got the ability for consumers to come shoot and win prizes and then again they then built a basketball court that they floated down the thames and people could then go and aj tracy did a um did a concert on this thing so all of that is like they thought about the whole thing. They haven't just thought, right, we're just gonna do this one thing to satisfy like we did an event. We're gonna think, right, how can we really engage like all our different audiences?
0: Like capturing a new yeah, that's the that's a new audience through doing a, a clever partnership is like obviously a, a good way to yeah, to market um, yourselves.
1: Yeah definitely. I think that would be the one that I would want to um, work on like their, what they've done and stuff like that. And I also love the fact that they've kind of brought everything together. So it's not just the experience, but what's the merchandise that goes with that experience? What's the social element that goes with it? And I think that's kind of what I look for when I'm looking at campaigns as well. Like, and I'm out, like, what, what else is there part of this? Because it can't just be one thing um like i think brand experience like and this is why i say like we spoke about like what do you do like well, it's it's not just an event um and you'll know from all the stuff that you've that you've seen and you've worked on like it isn't just an event like there is merchandise that goes into that that needs branding and creating there is social posts that like that's getting people and i think when you see that it's done in a, such a cool way that like Every single element has been thought about. Then that's really cool. I think another one is um, another really cool campaign. Like uh, I'm probably going to butch the way this is said, but Jacquemus, or Giacomoose, Um the, the fashion brand, and like the way they've set up, um, like just one color. They set up these vending machines yeah. and like that, and and just even in that, it creates kind of like an art moment. They did one they did one in Paris which was all pink. Then they came to London and they did one which was all blue which was at the back of Selfridges. Yeah. And like that in itself creates like an art moment and then inside the one in Selfridges they had like this like locker room where you pull a door on the locker room and automated it would pretend that someone was in there so like it would flip over a towel someone would shout in French that I'm, I'm in the bathroom. Like, that kind of, like, experience, like, almost, like, art installation style um, brand experience is very clever. Like, everything was blue, which means everything was Instagrammed because everyone was, like, stood in front of a blue wall and stuff like that. And, like, I myself was stood in front of a blue wall. Um, and you get that photo. And all of those things, like comes together but then in there it's still the product and we've still thought about right where do we need to like what do we need to do and like the main thing is still the product because people can go and buy shop. and shop yeah. in this space and people can go do it and it was going to be open 24 7 so people can go into the the actual vending machine and just go and buy um, a very expensive bag at any time they want the chances that a large part of the audience bought the bag is 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 slim, but some of them did and that that not only just raises the the awareness but it is also bringing a point of like creating retail and I think what I always find is like how can can we look at retail and the experiential that retail has and I think clients and i say clients and brands um are starting to look at that a lot more like. Um, the retail space they have and having events Adidas do this a lot in their flagship um, and in their one in in economy street where they're having events and they're having experiences in there because they've already got the space and so they're utilising it to go right well we've got the space why don't we bring people here because now they can shop they can have an experience they can have that memory that I was talking about earlier and go away and think Oh, I saw this amazing DJ, and then I also bought this. And, like, those things then suddenly link together. Night, do it. And I, I know the Gymshark store is about to open, and I, I know that they're about to do a lot of that stuff as well. And it's and it's about, like... Because I always think when it comes to experiential and that idea of, like, the high street's dead and, like, retail's dead, I think, realistically... It's not, but these two things need to match up. Experiential and retail need to like meet up because when that happens and you go, actually, I'm going to walk into a store and it's a destination and there's something I can do in that, in there, um, and it's in it's an experience in itself and there's an event on or there's there's things happening. That is what makes people go. Do you know what? I'm not going to buy that online because I I want to go there and I want to see. The AJ Ch- Tracy performance, who, who I think did something in flannels, actually he performed in flannels. So like that, yeah, that is that's that's something. N do a lot of it as well. They have a lot of experiences and events in their space because why not? You own the you own the space.
0: <laughs> well, I think that that's definitely what happened is that brands almost made online shopping a bit too good. So yeah, then people moved away from the stores. But that point of difference really can be from. Making these spaces places for experiences to to have, you know, a shopping trip that's not just a shopping trip. It's something different. You don't yeah. even need to buy anything half of the time. Like they're actually inviting people just in for these events. I know some some of these sports brands they do like yoga classes or, or different things like that in store, and it's you're building up your affinity with that specific brand because there's more than one sports brand out there. So it's like which yeah. one are you going to shop with, or even with flannels they're up against different department stores that are selling, like, lots of different brands, so you can choose if you want to buy your Gucci there or somewhere else. And it's like, actually, do you know what? I went there to see AJ Tracy, so I'm going to shop at Flannels now.
1: Exactly, exactly that. It's, I think, retail at a point is, like, it's a, re- it's a really nice warehouse. So some retail is, you've got nicer lights and you've got nicer f- fittings, but really... I'm not getting a very different experience as if I've walked into your warehouse yeah. and, like, just saw the clothes in the warehouse. The lighting might be a little bit nicer when there's a fitting room. But utilising that space to go, no, actually, come here because it's a, like, it is a it is a destination and there's things you can do. And, like, you see that with a lot of them opening up cafes in there. Um, oh, right. And even, like, like um, some streetwear brands that always have, like, Kif is one of them I really like. Us has, has, like, Kif's Treats because it's got that ice cream element so, like, having that in their stores and um, um, Mason Kitsune that have got, the like, Cafe Kitsune, like, all of these things are going, like, there's more that we can do with the spaces and, there's, like, that helps with that experiential and that's why I say about Jack because that's kind of from that same, like, what Mason Kitsune opening a cafe, like, they understand that there's more that you can do than just going, come and, come and just buy this off the shelf, and you may as well just bought that online the only real difference is you get to try it on and that's the only difference so like things like that things that that resonate with me because I always think like there's an opportunity to create a sales moment and Gucci did something um, just around the corner from where we are in Shoreditch where they took over um, one of the buildings and they had all the Gucci like a huge, huge Gucci uh, mural around that yeah. which was pretty cool but inside that was experiences was like, they, they, had like,
0: like a, they remade their runway so they had like camera flashes on one side and then um, a screen where you could see like the models walking down the runway on the other side so you felt like you were like at the fashion show yeah
1: exactly so like you're going into that and then that's an experience and and Um, And I think on one of the floors and it was showing you the collection as well, like Mm -hmm. they had the ability to purchase the collection right from there as well. So it's like that isn't like that pop up and that like Jacquemus, like and someone's probably going to write in and say how much I butchered that name. (laughs) But um, (laughs) like them, them doing that um, is creating like it's it's a retail store. They've created an experiential retail store, but it's not there. It doesn't need to be there forever because, with brands like that, they are stocked in some of these places. So you can go buy them. You can buy them online, but they've yeah. gone for a little while. We're going to give you an experience to go and talk about this new collection or this, and you're going to go in. I think I posted um, Gucci and Palace skateboards. They've yeah. just I posted that literally yesterday okay. on LinkedIn, and that was. They've taken over, so it's Gucci Vault, they've taken over all the Palace Skateboard stores and then some, like, just random pop-up stores as well. And, like, Palace has never let one of their collaborators take over their stores, but it's created, like, this very multicoloured location that people want to go to, even if it's just to take an Instagram photo and say, like, I was, like, I went in it. I and was there. Like, yeah. And that's... that's, that's that's an experience for someone, and I know some people are like, oh, like, you shouldn't be on your phone. I'm I'm not that person. I'm like, you want to capture it, you want to take a photo of it, you want to remember it. Like, that is part of the experience yeah. now, and I think...
0: That's what it's... A lot of the time, you're doing what they've designed it for. Like, I know people always laugh about people taking photos next to, like, the Louvre. Do you think they put that triangle on that on the square for people not to take a photo next to it? Yeah, like... well, this, is, this
1: is exactly it. They, like... I think, obviously, generations before ours... Like, my dad was really into photography, so he did take cameras with him wherever he went. But, like, most people didn't really have a camera wherever they went. Like, yeah. they wouldn't take a camera to a concert. They wouldn't take a... Like, a, the yeah. idea of taking a video camera oh,
0: yeah. to a concert,
1: <laughs> which you'd have to hold on your shoulder. Like, yeah, no. So, like, whereas we, and we go, like, it's just on our phones and, like... We want to be able to remember the experience. We want to be able to look back and think like I was there and I experienced that in a way that generations before couldn't. And I get the idea of, oh well you're in the moment and just be in the moment. And I and I think there's a place and a time for, for doing that as well. And I think but like you said, like it's there to kind of be captured, it's there to create memories and like photography and videography allows that. And so when you get things like the, the Gucci taking over the side of a building um, with with the um, monogram, all plastered. like people are going to take photos of that um, because that's something that they want to do, and if they want to share that to their audience, which might be on Instagram or TikTok or wherever it might be, that's because like you've created something that they think is worth sharing, and there's merit in that. There's merit in the fact that people want to share something that that has come out of someone's, like, creative brain and, like, yeah. they want to put that on Instagram. Like, one one, like, one like of the first campaigns we did for Prime Video where we created influencer kits that people were sharing and, like, we hadn't paid people, like, this wasn't, like, influencers we paid to make them share. We sent it to them and they were sharing it because it was, like, this is cool and we actually like it. And it's, like, that's amazing because it's, like, they want to share that with their world, wherever that world is, 100 people that follow them on Instagram or, like whatever it might be, or if it's a million people that follow them, it doesn't really matter. Mm. That world that they're sharing that to is really important to them. And so being able to create moments to allow them to do that and create moments that they live and they can do that, I think is is, is what it's all about. And that's why I'm so passionate about in-person.
0: So kind of looking back on everything, with everything that you know now, um... What would you say to your younger self or like what message would you give to um people who are maybe thinking about doing something different or I guess they they kind of having that pivotal moment right now like what would you tell them um,
1: I think about I would future? I would tell them to to do it <laughs> that's the main thing like there is so much like imposter syndrome there's so much worry about like is this going to work out and the reality is, everybody thinks that everything they do is final. So everybody, like, when I was moving to Dubai and people were talking to me about moving to Dubai, I was like, "Well, I'll just move back. <laughs> like, if I don't like it, I will just move back. If if this isn't the thing for me, if I start a job and it's not like this, isn't final. Nothing is like the only thing that's final is death. So everything else that you're doing and that you're thinking about, and like, and this is was me as well. Like, I used to think like oh, well, if I do this, like, this is going to be it forever and I can't change anything. And ah, oh, no. <laughs> Whereas if I'd started in June 2020 and it hadn't worked out, at least I could say I tried. At least I could go back and go, do you know what? It didn't work out, but I don't regret that I didn't try. And I think that is, like, something that I like that I would tell my younger self, just, like, trying. And if it doesn't work out, like, you will figure out a way of doing something else. Like, it's not the end. It's just the beginning of a different journey if the thing that you thought that you wanted didn't work out. And I think that even working... like uh, And that doesn't need to be starting a business because not everyone wants to start a business because, like I said, it's not easy running in it and there's there's some bits that I don't enjoy and, like, that that can be working in a company. Like, you want to go for being promoted and being, like, on the board seat. It might not work out, but you go somewhere and you find something else, but you, like, don't ever think... And, and I know what I was saying earlier, like, just because there isn't someone in the place, in, in that role that isn't you, you could be that person and just, if it's not that company, there is some other company. So just make sure you just try and reach those type of things. Um, so, yeah, no regrets. Mm-hmm.